1: Welcome to the First Cut Podcast Players Championship DFS and Betting Preview. I'm Rick Gaiman, and as we do every Tuesday, I want to bring in Greg Ducharme to break it all down with me. Hey, Greg.
2: How are we doing this morning? This
1: is a big week.
2: This is a big week in our lives, don't you think?
1: I'm pretty stoked for this. Uh, This is a good one. Not only do you get the best literally the best field in golf that we see on a yearly basis in terms of strength of field but you also get an iconic course that we've all played on you know tiger woods 2004 you know for like the last 20 years this has been in every video game everybody knows it you got the island green this is just like a, a very familiar place to be
2: it's on everybody's simulator uh, <laughs> yep. we did we did i just did a contest yesterday. Uh, Michael Breed and I on course record did a, a little part three contest on guess where 17 at sawgrass. It's one uh, of the more daunting
1: holes. I think I saw you, uh, hit one to about 33 feet right in the middle of the green. Nice and safe. Right.
2: Uh, I hit one to 33 feet. I hit one to 24, 25 feet. That's up for debate. Uh, <laughs> and then the other one I missed long left. I, I had a little case of the lefts going. I, I couldn't, it was the, it was the traditional Sunday, right? That's, hole a, location. that's a tough pin. Yeah. I just couldn't get at it, and I'm a little rusty right now. Not not that it's an excuse, but I was trying to go right at it. I was trying to go Ricky Fowler. I was trying to get it right at that whole location like he did in the playoff against Kevin Kisner, and I just kept uh, the middle of the green was just a
1: magnet for me. Yeah, there's not much room over there on the right side of that pin to hit. We'll see if somebody can do it this week. I love the traditional pin locations, right? It just always always amps up the excitement, especially, especially over there on 17. Uh, but let's talk about Sawgrass a little bit, Greg, before we jump into this, because it is not necessarily... Uh, always a difficult course. Last year, it ranked 23rd out of 50 in terms of difficulty, which puts it basically right in the middle of the pack. But there are kind of uh, there's some shots that can lead to big numbers out there. I mean, 17 is a very easy shot outside the fact that it is an island and there's water all around it. Uh, You dunk one in there. Then you go to the drop area, which is probably even more of a difficult shot. It's kind of like an awkward yard. It's like we've seen big numbers put up at this course, even though it might not overall play as one of the most difficult every year.
2: It's uh, kind of ultimate theater. That's why it's a perfect stadium course, because you're going to see birdies and you're going to see bogeys. Last week, for instance, at at the API, we didn't see very many birdies. I mean, the winner goes down the... He plays his last nine holes with eight pars and a double bogey. You're not going to see that at the players. At at TPC Sawgrass, you're going to see a lot of birdies made, but you're also going to see... Uh, big numbers. And that adds to the drama. There's, there's extreme highs and extreme lows that can happen around every corner. It's one of the reasons it's so exciting. I mean, there's, what, 17 water hazards out here, uh, specifically water hazards, not, not including not necessarily all of the penalty areas. It's, yeah. there, there's danger lurking around every corner, but it's still gettable.
1: Yes, it is. And actually, um, the par fives in particular are super gettable. Uh, I believe six holes played under par last year and all all four of the par fives did. So you're going to, uh, see guys try to take advantage of them. I think every single one of them is as long as you're in the fairway, you can reach all these par fives in two. Am I right?
2: There's no, no issue about it. they are, are very reachable. You'll see irons in the most, depending on wind, wind is always a little bit of an outlier. Uh, but it, particularly with say number 11 or, or 16, uh, 16 and 11 come to mind. They're, they're positional par fives. Getting the ball in the fairway is going to be critical, uh, get it. And, and not just in the fairway, but on the right side of the fairway, if yes. you see a player like John Ron, what he did last year on 11, <laughs> although it's a par five, he missed to the inside part of the dog leg and he's. Basically has no shot, tries for a hero shot. He didn't like the angle for the layup. So it it still brings great drama.
1: Uh, Yeah, that is that clip, that two minute clip of John Rahm uh, kind of, you know, walking off his caddy who's begging him to throw it out to the right and not go for the green. And he's got the lead on 11 on Sunday at the players and he puts it in the water and like that was uh, one of my favorite two minute clips. I watched that like, I don't know, 50 times a year it was
2: fascinating and it, uh, to me that moment changed john rom's career in a good way I, I think it will end up being a, a defining moment for john rom where he really learned a lesson and since then we've seen him go on a tear
1: worldwide uh, and and really mature as a player yeah we'll see if he's got a little vengeance on his mind for this year but before we jump into that we were kind of talking about this before our mics went hot and we were looking at the draft kings player pool and the pricing. And because this is, I mean, I'm literally, it is the strongest field of the year in the strength of field calculations. This is all, you know, the player championship is always number one. Uh, basically everybody, but tiger and Lee Westwood is here. And what that does Greg is at the very bottom of this player pool, there are guys in, you know, the flat min 6,000 or 6,100 that are really good go- or I shouldn't say really good golfers, but they are they're fine golfers. I'm talking about guys like Zach johnson adam long uh jason duffner and and the stark contrast is that in most weeks the six thousand or sixty one hundred dollar guys are are basically unplayable um I'm not super excited to play any of these guys, but they are much more playable this week than almost any other week of the year and and they
2: have they have the potential to make the cut. They have the potential. There's not a giant separator. So one of the reasons why they're unplayable, uh, typically, and one of the reasons why they're playable this week, last year you saw a Jim Furick come in second place at, uh, here at the Players. And he's Jim Furyk is a, a, a probably a Hall of Fame player, uh, definitely a borderline, definitely in the discussion as a Hall of Fame player. But he's definitely on the tail end of his career. It was not expected— to, I mean, he's a champions tour player, right? He, he's He's not expected to win the the flagship event on the PGA Tour yet he contended last year and had a real chance to win against Rory McElroy. And that's what this golf course offers. It offers so many different styles of play. That's one of the reasons you see so much uh, quote unquote, randomness in the leaderboards at at this venue. So you look at a guy like Zach Johnson. He has a, a, great chance of playing well this week. He has a great chance of making the cut. And so if you're if you're down in this area where you're looking at guys that are at six thousand dollars, a Jimmy Walker who's uh, at at the bare minimum six thousand dollars, he's a major champion. you You just go through the list. These guys are players who have won on the PGA tour. Kevin Tway won just last year. Adam Long won last year. The, Sam Ryder was in the mix. I think he was in the mix last week.
1: M- Munoz won this year, right? Didn't he win earlier Munoz this
2: year? Munoz won yeah. this year. Yeah. yeah. He's at 6,100. So these are... Uh some you have some options down here that really uh, it, it opens up the strategies there. There are a number of strategies you can get into. Is there one that you're leaning towards? Are you going with kind of a stars and scrubs uh, <laughs> st- strategy this week?
1: So I think you could actually um I haven't made too many lineups to this point in the week, but I, I think you could actually get two guys above 10,000 and then two guys down in like the low sixes and still not hate your lineup. Um, I think that's kind of one way to go. I don't think I'll do that. I think as we get into this, you'll hear, I I really love like the $9,000 range and I might try to get like, I don't know, three or four guys from 85 to 98 and then go get like two cheapo guys down at the bottom or something like that. So we'll talk through it. Let's, let's jump into, uh, let's jump into the player pool here, and I want to start with just the big three because I think there is kind of a tier here. So Rory McIlroy eleven thousand seven hundred on DraftKings, John Rom at eleven thousand, Justin Thomas at ten eight. They are the betting favorites. So according to William Hill, Rory McIlroy seven to one, John Rom twelve to one, Justin Thomas sixteen to one. How are we going to uh, decipher between these three? What I think are Head and shoulders above the rest of the field elite players.
2: Well, it's, uh, it's quite interesting to me. Rory McElroy is a guy who's on a uh, quite a record, uh, quite a streak as far as top fives are concerned. And his play has been outstanding. He is the defending champ coming in here. It's, that almost seems to vote against him. And I feel like Rory hasn't been playing all that. He, he really hasn't been playing great. It's a mark. It's a sign of how good of a player he is because he yep. keeps coming in the top five. But I have no confidence in Rory McIlroy on Sunday right now. And for me to pay, say, uh, seven hundred dollars or nine hundred dollars more than John Rom or Justin Thomas, who I believe have more win equity this week than Rory McIlroy, it's hard for me to pay that premium for Rory. So I'm, I'm to me, if I'm going somewhere in this top three, I'm looking at John Rom or Justin Thomas. And I, Rory to me is, is out. He's a fade for me right now.
1: I am kind of torn here because I think what you just described about Rory is absolutely accurate in the fact that, uh, he has not even reached remotely close to his ceiling and he will not finish out of the top five. That is kind of insane. So, you know, anything that kind of just bodes in his favor, one thing turns for him. He puts a little better on a Sunday. Uh, he probably runs away with any golf tournament that, that, that happens in, but I do agree with you, the, the discount down to John Rahm at 11,000 or even Justin Thomas, who, you know, Justin Thomas kind of gets forgotten a lot. You know, we haven't seen him since the WGC. He missed the cut at the Genesis, but other than that, he's been awesome uh he he to me is like you know we we did a season long fantasy draft over on on DraftKings uh YouTube channel before the season and i would have picked Justin Thomas number 1 overall like that's how highly i think of him so i i i do really like the discount here the guy for me who probably gets squeezed is just John Rom just because of his pricing um you know i i would i'd pay down the 200 bucks to get Justin Thomas or i would go up to eleven thousand seven and get Rory. So I think Rom gets squeezed for me. Um, I hate it. I you know I love all these guys, but that's just kind of like the nature is. We have to draw some lines somewhere.
2: Do you think w- when when you look at these? Because see to me the the thing with this event is there's such a high risk of of a miscut. Yeah. So is there a player? Do you think Rory McIlroy has the the smallest chance of missing the cut?
1: Yeah, probably. Um, you know, he doesn't. Outside, outside of uh, number one at uh, at the Open Championship last week, he usually doesn't post big numbers. Um, so that that usually keeps him in play, and he's just been so solid. I mean, he's very clearly. I mean, he's he's having a a literal historic season when you look at his strokes gain numbers. I mean, his 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 2019 season was the best non-Tiger year ever. His 2020 season is nipping at the heels of that. Like it's just historically so good. So yeah, I would say that he he's got to be quote unquote, the safest at a place where everybody's pretty dangerous to me. John Rahm is the guy I
2: I look at John Rahm as the safest play here. And I'll tell you why. When John Rahm gets himself out of position, when it looks bad for John Rahm, uh, IE, uh, the world golf championship, Mexico championship, where he gets off to a really bad start. He is a fighter and John Rahm didn't, he not only did he play two bad rounds uh, in the opening rounds in Mexico But the the starts of those rounds were even worse. And he he battled his way back, making multiple birdies on the back nine. And so John Rahm has that kind of fight where he's there's never going to be any doubt in my mind that he's going to fight all the way to the finish. And that's just what's required. I, I don't have. It's not that I think that Rory or, or Justin Thomas would quit. I just I think John Rahm has a little bit more fire, and he's going to go out and make sure that he makes sure that he's playing the weekend. And I yeah. I really see him contending. So it's interesting that you find him get to be a squeeze. I find him to be the favorite in that
1: group. Well, I I, uh, I think that's probably a, a, a testament to how good all of these guys are, and how yeah. close how close they all are that we can that we can even split hairs like this. Um, below that, so so this pricing came out early, which which rarely happens, right? I mean. Uh, it comes out a couple days earlier so there are some values in here but Tiger Woods also already built into the pricing at 10,400 he's obviously out so what i think that creates greg is this area uh, between 10,200 which is Brooks Kepka down to Xander Schauffele at 94 which is Kepka, Dustin Johnson, Patrick Cantlay, Adam Scott, Xander Schauffele So that area uh, kind of goes a little bit dead because the 9,200 and the 9,100 guys, which are Webb Simpson and Bryson DeChambeau, are going to be incredibly popular. So here's what I think happens, Greg, and tell me what you think about this. You go up and you get one or two of, depending on how you want to build this. Rory, Rahm, JT. I think a lot of people are going to do that. And then I think the next natural position to go is to the absolute chalkiest guys who have great form coming in, great course history, Webb Simpson, Bryson DeChambeau. And it leaves those guys in the middle as a bit of a dead zone, which I think is now the most leverageable. Because if you find the winner in this group of like five guys right here, you've kind of flipped the script on the entire field. Well, see, that's the challenge. It, it's a dead zone for a reason, right? You yep. look at a player like Brooks
2: Kepka and we have seen Brooks Kepka, if you took his name away based on his recent play, uh, he would not be 10,200. No. The reason he's 10,200 is he's won four majors, and the guy seems to be able to pop up and win every time he gets in contention. Uh, an ultimate closer, uh, a guy who's proven himself to be one of the best players in the world when the moment arrives, but I've seen no evidence of Brooks Kepka having success. He, he still is searching for his golf swing and he can't seem to hit it where he's looking. He can't seem to get it off the tee. Can't get the ball and play off the tee. It's a problem that I think he'll solve in time, but I, I don't think this is the golf course. I don't think this is the venue to do it. You have to be extremely accurate around here to, to get your ball in position where you can, kind of attack any whole location so i brooks kepka to me is like man and then patrick cantlay is just coming off a, a surgery in january he was my yeah. pick to win the players but with this deviated septum he's had a little cert sur- corrective surgery on that and so now i kind of feel like wh- where do we go with him it,
1: you know Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I'm all out on Brooks, man. Like, like I will be late on Brooks. He's lost strokes, putting in four straight events. I don't have another instance of him doing that in my database. Uh, then the rest of his game is, is not up to Brooks caliber. It's not up to 10,200. I'm, I'm out on that. Uh, I I do think Cantlay is interesting because listen, I have literally no idea how a Uh, surgery to a deviated septum is going to impact Patrick Cantlay's golf game. I do not know if that is three days in bed and he gets up and starts hitting again. I don't know if he's like hasn't swung a golf club in, in, you know, since the Genesis. I have literally no idea. But the idea of a guy who's got a fourth at the tournament of champions, an 11th at Pebble, a 17th at Genesis, which is an absolute stacked field, stacked course, like Patrick Cantlay's a top 10 player in the world and maybe nobody plays him here. It's a, it's a great point. Uh, you
2: just don't know. That's, that's the question mark, but you look at his statistics. I mean, coming into this thing, he's hitting just under 300 yards in distance off the tee. And last year he was well above 300 yards. So he's got plenty of club at speed. He's a long hitter. He's hitting 67.49% of his fairways. He's 30th in driving accuracy. And then he's hitting 75% of his greens second on tour. This is a guy who Peter green is extremely strong and you know what? He's really good in other areas too. He's 50th around the green. He's 97th in putting. And I, I believe this is his weakest year in putting of late. Um, he's, he's an impressive player all around statistically course history, uh, recent performance. He is uh, like, like would be. He was like I said. He was the guy I was looking at for the players in January. I think I he just, still
1: might win it. I think he still might. That still might look really good from January. Would you pick him? So are, are you thinking that he's a better play in
2: a DraftKings lineup yeah. or or a bet a bet to win?
1: No. So there's uh there's a it's a great point. So there are. Better bets than fantasy options. I think Cantlay is a better fantasy option because I don't think anyone is going to own him. So like the game theory of this says, okay, you know, if he comes in at, 9% 9% owned, he's going to outperform that ownership, you know, much more often than than what you know his ownership would dictate. But someone like a Webb Simpson, for example, who I expect to be incredibly popular in the fantasy world at, at a course where there's big numbers popping up all over the place, I would rather just fade Webb in uh in, you know, on DraftKings and in a fantasy pool of whatever it is and just bet him at 30 to 1.
2: See, I I think that's a it's a very interesting point. Webb is going to be very popular for a reason, right? He's he's a stud all around. Another one of these guys, the only hole in his game is distance and it's not required here. So Webb is like a perfect fit. It's an extremely chalky sort of pick. So um, but you're right. I mean, that ownership is going to be extremely high.
1: If I told you one of the nine thousand dollar guys wins the golf tournament, who is it?
2: One of the $9,000 guys wins the golf tournament. Webb Simpson would, would be my favorite for that. I'm, I'm not extremely confident with Xander right now. Uh, I, I think Xander will be fine, but he's not in his tippy-top form. Adam Scott gives me some concerns with his accuracy. He's been playing very, quite well, but he's he's not been very accurate off the tee. Um, I, I like Adam Scott, but I, I'm not crazy about him to win like we just mentioned, the Patrick can't lay sort of symptoms, and
1: Bryson would be the other. It, it's probably yeah. between Webb and Bryson. Yeah, so I, okay. I I would favor Webb. I I rarely have like hot takes or like hot feelings about this, but like I'm pretty sure Bryson's gonna win this week. It's it's kind of crazy what he's doing. Like this is the perfect trend of golfers who now have he's got three straight top fives. Uh, what he's doing off the tee, Greg, and I know we joke a lot. We're like, oh, Bryson, he's bulked up, he's a meathead, he's bombing it, whatever. Um, it's working, dude. Like, it his, is his off the tee game right now. So, his, this season that he's having would be the 11th best strokes gained off the tee season ever. And if you only look at from January 1st on, which is basically like, you know, he took the off season, the swing season, got you know, took a lot of it off. Uh, bulked up, got got into this mode, it would be the second best off the T season ever. Like, I'm not, like, it is unbelievable what he's doing right now. He's lapping the rest of the PGA Tour since January 1st, and the rest of his game has not suffered. He's His irons are just as good. He's putting himself in contention every single week. Like, it, it's fun to joke about Bryson having a track man or two in the fairway of every shot during the practice rounds, but the dude is breaking the game, and it's like... It's unbelievable right now. It's extremely impressive. And I give Bryson so much credit
2: for basically what he's done throughout his entire career. Right. He, he, first of all, he's got single length clubs. He's got this one plane philosophy about his game that is very unique. The size of the grips or e- everything that Bryson does is his own unique and it's researched and it's all taken criticism and he doesn't care. So I I love that about Bryson. And then he goes on this mission to bulk up. And of course it works. And people were raised a lot of questions about it. I mean, you've heard uh, like Brandel Chambly has talked about many times, not specifically to Bryson. He actually has a different opinion on Bryson, but (laughs) he has talked about how when players like Rory and Brooks and DJ and tiger increase their muscle mass, their speed actually decreases. With Bryson, as he's increased his muscle mass, his speed has increased. He's actually gained the results that, he's, that he has seeked, and it's extremely impressive. The one question I have with Bryson that I don't have with Webb is in the short game. and And at a place like TPC Sawgrass, where distance is less of an advantage, it's always an advantage, but it, yep. it's less of a requirement, I guess is probably a better word. Do you worry about Bryson around the greens? And I know his short game numbers are better this year. They're actually, yeah. it's quite impressive, but is, is there any worry?
1: Uh, a little bit because I'm. Mean, you're right. Overall on the season, uh, his short game numbers are pretty good, but he was pretty bad last week, or at least in the in this in the third and and fourth rounds at at API, he wasn't very good around the greens. Um, but here here's the thing, and we'll we'll put a cap on we'll put a cap on my Bryson Love, and we can move on. But um, I already bet him to win. I got him at twenty two to one, which is what he is on William Hill right now. That is the fourth shortest odds. Uh but here's the thing, because the pricing came out so early, Greg, he's like the ninth or tenth most expensive golfer on DraftKings. So there's a yeah. gap there because you know, you know, DraftKings didn't get to see the fourth place finish before they put the odds out. So there is a gap. And I'm like, oh my God, like everything's gonna make me be all in on Bryson this week. So that's that's kind of where I'm at.
2: I, I like it. I like the play. I have no qu- no doubts about Bryson, other a uh, question is the short game. And I think he can overcome that. Yeah.
1: All right. Let's jump down to the eights. Cause I think this is a very interesting section. So you've got Ricky Fowler who won this in 20, I guess it had to be 2015. Uh, yep. he's at 8,900 down to, uh, Louis Oosthuizen and Sergio Garcia, who are $8,000. And you've got some names in here. You've got Sung Jae, who is clearly a robot. You have Patrick Reed, who is on the Reed Revenge Tour. You've got Jason Day, who WDs in Orlando for the second year in a row. Like, uh, Take your pick, Greg. There, There is uh, something for everyone here. It's a little bit
2: un- – honestly, it's a little bit of an uncomfortable range for me. I'm not crazy about Ricky. Uh, I, I just I'm still Ricky's one of those guys that I'm going to be like you said, I'll be late on Brooks. Uh, I'll be early on Brooks if it's in a major Ricky. I'm going to be late on Ricky because I, I just I want to give the guy time. And even if he is in good form, I still have questions about Ricky getting the job done on Sunday. So Ricky's a major question mark for me. And I, I'm probably not putting him in my lineups. Hideki, I'm a big fan of. Rose, I'm not a fan of. He's got to get this equipment thing figured out. This has been a two year deal for him. Im and Reed, you got to feel really good about. Day, yeah. you're just so limited with injury. Gary woodland, I think I think it's a great golf course for Gary woodland. Me too. I would exp- I, I'm a Gary Woodland in that range. If you're going to take Sung Jay M out because he's probably the I mean, he's the guy in that in that yeah. mix. The only question with Sung Jay is, ca- how long can this last for? Is he really this good? Yeah. Everybody he, seems to think he
1: is. <laughs> uh, you won't get an argument from me. Sungjae is the man. He's a robot. He's so good. Um, I, I actually like the word that you used to describe this range, which is uncomfortable, and and I completely agree. I I think you are almost uncomfortable playing anyone here, and you just have to determine how uncomfortable you want to be. Uh, because even if you go get Sung Jae, you're 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 like, oh my god, is he gonna is he gonna top three of this again, or like when's this gonna come crashing down? Patrick Reed's kind of in the same way. Jason Day. Here's the thing about Jason Day. And I'll make this very quick. He does this back withdrawal thing like twice or three times a year, and then. He essentially comes back like within a week or two and it act, it's like nothing has happened and he contends. So like if this was the only time we'd ever seen him do this, I would be even more concerned. But this is just kind of built into Jason Day where it's like, oh, yeah, there's like a six percent chance he's going to WD this, um, you know, on on Thursday or Friday. But if he plays four rounds, he's going to contend like you just have to build that into your risk tolerance with him. It, and it's extremely
2: high risk tolerance. You're talking yeah. about it's 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 literally boom or bust. Yep. Uh, because it's going to be a, a WD, which just talked to producer Jacob about that. Uh, looking at last week, <laughs> or you're right. His game. You would think his profile suits this course perfectly. He's got a lovely short game, which is a it's a prerequisite out here. You will miss greens.
1: And so. and not only not only does the uh, does his skill set. You know, tell us it would fit the mold. I mean, it literally does fit the mold. I mean, he's got an eighth last year, a fifth the year before he won it in 2016. Um, he's got another top 10 in 2011. Like he's played here a lot. He's found a lot of success. So like, that's a good sign. But th- you you mentioned the guy that I think I, I, I think I'm honing in on, which is which is Gary Woodland. Um, yes, he's long off the tee, but he's actually better at shorter courses where he can kind of dial it back a little bit. He can just, he can just get into position. His, his ball striking numbers are out of this world. And, and I feel like the story that came out of Honda was that really bad round. He had, Oh man. Saturday, Okay. Friday or Saturday. Yeah. And and like, that was the story that he played himself out of it and not the story that uh, he actually finished eighth, (laughs) which is a great result. And then he had a 12th at the WGC Mexico. So like, Yeah, like Gary, I feel like kind of just flies in here playing well, but nobody wants to believe he's playing well.
2: I'll tell you what, I watched that Saturday round and I had extremely high interest on Gary Woodland the week of the Honda because he was my one and done pick. Um, And for many of the same reasons I like him this week, I liked him at the Honda. And on that Saturday round, there was one shot that he, he, he wasn't playing great but he was hanging in there and there was one shot that ruined the rest of that round um he he was even par on the ninth hole he had uh, i want to say the number was 115 yards it was an extremely basic shot uh into number nine with a wedge and he i i i thought it was the the pro tracer picking up the divot instead of the ball he just he chunked (laughs) it he flubbed it it went like 40 yards then he hit it over the green. Then he started playing hockey, and it derailed him. And he made like a triple or something on nine, and then he ends up shooting uh, a couple over on the back. It, was com- it completely threw him out of sorts. But he answers the next day. He comes back on Sunday with with one of the better rounds of the day, yeah. 67 or 68, and, and all of a sudden he gets a, a top-ten finish. Gary's great hitting less than driver off the tee. He is great at avoiding big numbers that one on number nine was a that's not going to happen again he a pga tour player who's won the the u.s open champ chunked a wedge from the middle of the fairway it's not like he hit it into the water so he is to me a great pick this week i gary woodland's my number one play in this in this eight thousand dollar range
1: all right well there are a lot of guys in the seven thousand dollar range that i want to talk about but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsors
0: At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.
1: All right, Greg, we're back. And this $7,000 range is kind of stacked. So I, I want to run through these fairly quickly. Uh, who I believe to be the most popular player on this slate, I think he will be owned in the vast majority of DraftKings lineups, uh, is Colin Morikawa at 7,900. Uh, he now owns the um, the longest cut streak. Uh, now that Tommy Fleetwood has missed the cut, he's never missed a cut um, as a professional, or even in the in the pro events that he played as an amateur. Uh, the the big thing with Morikawa is for me, Greg, it's the ability to make eagles, which I know is kind of one weird thing to look at, but he leads the tour in eagles, and on a and what that means to me is that on par fives, you're putting yourself in position in the fairway because. You got to be in the fairway to go for a lot of par fives and two. Um, You're able to hit your long irons well, you know, generally to like the middle of the green. And then you're able to make, you know, 20, 30 foot putts at a consistent enough basis that you can roll these in. And in DraftKings scoring, in fantasy scoring, Eagles reign supreme. And if you can get those around these gettable par fives this week at 7,900 bucks, like this kid's an absolute stud. Are you concerned?
2: Uh, like you go back to a Web Simpson. Webb Simpson is a little bit of a fade, yeah, because of the popularity. Are you yep. in the same boat with Morikawa, where he's going to be popular, so you fade him, or is this love affair that you have with him just overriding <laughs> that?
1: Uh, it's a good question. So I, I don't think I don't think I'll have any Web Morikawa lineups, for example, where I've got both of them in there. If if I do play Morikawa, it will then be with guys like the, up in that nine thousand dollars range. Like, for example, a Patrick lay Colin Morikawa lineup to start something like that. Like that is I probably that. yeah, that's probably a different construction. I would not pile all of these popular guys into the same lineup. Um, I would just kind of build you know pivot uh, pivot plays around them.
2: Yeah, that's the interesting thing about popularity. They're generally speaking. They're popular for a reason. Yeah. Uh, and in both these cases, to me, they're both great plays. It's just you, you're what you're saying. And I agree with you don't want to play them both together because you're not going to get anything out of it. So I, I like that play. Um, so he's the he's the header. Extents interests me. Um, I mm-hmm. don't know if there's enough to really go on there.
1: But Kucher to me is like, is he going to be extremely popular this week, too? So it's interesting because when we get to uh, majors or big events like this um, where DraftKings puts on these massive contests and the pricing gets really soft, Kuchar is like always a free space. He's always like $7,800, $7,600, and you can just kind of plug him in and move on. However, that has kind of not been the case in the last two uh, – I don't want to call them majors, but like big events where everyone's like, oh, Kucher's a free spot. He He hasn't been. So I think with, you know, Morikawa here, with Stenson here, with Leishman here, with Scotty Scheffler here, like there will be some percentage of people that play Jordan Spieth at 7,700. Like, I I don't think he's going to be as popular as we've seen him in the past or as like a Colin Morikawa will be. To me,
2: he's he's the guy that I'm looking at in this ring. I love Morikawa. I love him. But aside from him. Uh, I, I, I think Kucher is my guy here because he, he plays a very consistent ball flight. He's another one of those guys that can avoid the penalty areas. Um, he's very good with the, with his basically iron, his T to green play is fantastic. And you mentioned the Eagles. This is the kind of course where Kucher can make some Eagles because with his hybrids and, and his longer irons, he is extremely accurate. And I think he's going to have the ability to put the ball in position off the tee where he can attack some of these par fives. Don't be surprised to see him making a couple uh, two circle threes out there.
1: I, I want to read you the leaders from last week in strokes gained tee to green because there are a couple of them in this price range guys that we've already talked about so i think now's a good time to do so let me so, guess ben uh, on. from last okay so ben on's on the list so from from the start or from the top uh scotty scheffler led the field in strokes gained t to green last week he lost nearly five strokes putting joel damon is second colin morikawa is third sung jay is fourth the eventual winner terrell hatton comes in fifth then it's rory bryson charlie hoffman and Ben on. So there are, uh, Ben on really, really quick. He lost, uh, let's see nine. No, yes. Nine strokes putting last week. It was the 17th worst tournament in my database, Greg, which is, has about 17,000 tournaments in it. Uh, Ben on has the 17th worst putting performance and the 15th worst. It is like when he runs bad, it is very, very bad. Was it? Um, did we talk mm-hmm.
2: about that on Friday or was that? I I feel like we had this
1: conversation,
2: this is deja vu. I feel like we had this conversation last Tuesday as well.
1: Yeah, we have it every week because he literally because <laughs> because he leads he leads the field in strokes gained tee to green every single week and then he gives away I mean here's just his last 5 events. He in 3 of his last 5 events he's lost 9 strokes putting, lost 6 putting and lost 7 putting. It's absolutely insane. It's it, it's mind-boggling that he can continue to do this. But yeah, we have the conversation every week. Yeah, I, I mean, how do you keep your card? You got to putt, you got to put the ball putting, the
2: word putt comes from putt because you're supposed to put the ball into the hole. And it, uh, it evolved into putt. And he can't put the ball in the hole. Like, how does he? He is so talented. Yeah. With then Andy, with the other thirteen clubs in
1: his bag, it it's remarkable. It's because the one week that he puts, he okay. So at Honda, the week that he gained one stroke putting, he finished fourth. Like that's all. <laughs> that's all it took. Gain one yeah. stroke putting, you can finish fourth. That's how he keeps and, his. Card and right. if he made a five footer on fifteen, he probably he could probably win the tournament. Yeah, for sure. Um, Scotty Scheffler at 7,500. You know, we I loved him last week. I played a lot of him. He was actually, um, he finished 15th in the tournament, but because he makes so many birdies and eagles, he was fourth in DraftKings scoring, which is obviously very valuable. Uh, 7,500 bucks again this week. But let me get your thoughts on Terrell Hatton, who now... <laughs> Coming off the win, you know what we do to guys who won last week. But Terrell Hatton literally told us uh, he might be drunk until Wednesday. So, what do you think about that, Greg?
2: It that worries me. Uh, <laughs> I don't blame him. I'm not going to say anything bad. I mean, the guy, the guy just won the Arnold Palmer Invitational. I give yeah. him all the credit in the world, and. uh yeah, he's probably buying himself another Lamborghini. Uh, he's going to be drunk until Wednesday. I, my my instinct is to stay away. Like, I've always wondered in this fantasy betting world of in the game of golf that's expanding and growing to the point where we have podcasts like these that we do every week, um, should, should we get injury reports from players? Should we get reports throughout the week on where players stand with their health? Tyron Hatton is giving us a, a, a report. Yeah, um, today, and I'm gonna be hungover.
1: It's it's interesting. It's interesting. I, I don't think you'll ever get it because these guys are independent contractors, and I also don't know how truthful they would be. And like what? Like these guys are probably always sore, right? Like oh my my knee hurts. My wrist is sore. Is that yeah. is that enough to put on the injury report? For some guys, it is. Maybe for others, it's not because they've been dealing with I, I it for agree. ten years. I agree. It's a huge challenge. I actually think it would be too. It would be it would be more information that we would we would take that information and we would uh, make it actionable. And it would probably not be actionable data. Very interesting. It's just
2: an interesting conversation. Uh, my only point in that is Hatton's giving us an injury report. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a self inflicted injury, and so for me, I I do think his game suits the course very well. Uh, If he didn't win last week, if he wasn't going to be drunk until Wednesday, he would be on my team. I I would be a huge – I'd be way up on him. But he's a fade for me at this point.
1: Real quick, um, I'm out on Bubba Watson who lost seven strokes on approach in the second round of the Arnold Palmer Invitational. A historical uh, worst, uh, basically, definitely for him and on tour as well. But there's also another guy here that I think we need to spend, I don't know, 45 seconds of oxygen on. And it's Jordan Spieth who I, I, we were texting about this, uh, producer Jacob, you and I were texting about this. Uh, I was jarred to see three lines this week. Uh, DJ was 28 or 30 to one, depending on where you got him, which was the longest odds I had on him in my database ever. Uh, Brooks at 40 and Jordan Spieth at 85 to one. And I said, which one of these is the most jarring? And what did you say, Greg?
2: uh jordan speed
1: right i mean
2: here's the thing with jordan you want a do po- you want a positive on jordan <laughs> do you have one yes there's okay. one positive for jordan this week okay. he's playing with his buddies this is this is sb 2020 wow thursday and friday i mean it, it's it's spring break 2020 that's all we have here. And so I think there may be a comfort level. Uh, there may be a, a camaraderie with these guys. You know, they're going to be cheering each other on, you know, there's going to be a lot of high fives. Uh, and, and that's the, that's the positive with Jordan Speeth but man, I mean, how is odds or how he's ranked where he's ranked is really surprising. Cause there's just no evidence for it.
1: Speeth uh, Fowler and JT going off at 846 off of the 10th tee on Thursday. That's the group. And yeah, so what the, the point that I was looking at was it, it took Vegas so long to move Jordan Speeth to the even this point, and he should probably be deeper, quite honestly. But 85 to 1, it took like 18 months for him to get there. They moved Brooks off of 10 to 1 to 40 to 1 in like five seconds flat. It's amazing how quick, uh, Vegas reacted to one of these guys and not the other. <laughs> Yeah, that's what sort of happens. DJ, too, right? DJ was yep. the other guy. DJ, yeah. is
2: surpri- uh, DJ is surprising to me because I feel like he can just kind of pop off. And he definitely has that capability where, uh, and I, I don't feel like DJ's in a place where it's so bad now or there's, there's fewer concerns with him. And he wins every year on the PGA Tour. So I, I'm going to correct myself because I believe I did say DJ, not Speeth. Uh, I just had Spieth on front of mind. Dustin Johnson is the most surprising to me in that group. I, I'd actually bet him. I, I think betting DJ would be
1: a good play. So I, I agree. I think DJ is by far the best play out of those three. And um the, so I saw him at 30 to one when the week opened uh, there is uh in my database, I had him at 25 to one for the tour championship, but that was a staggered start. So like, that's not, that doesn't really count as, you know, his odds weren't really 25 to one that week, but he was starting I don't know, six shots back of Justin Thomas or something like that. Um, But really, we've never seen a number like this on on DJ in quite some time. Yeah, I'm not sure it's the best course for him, but I think he's just he's he's won
2: every year for what? Since 2008. So he's going to get he's you have to feel like he's going to get a win somewhere. Why not? Why not the
1: players? Why not the players? Um, how about the $6,000 range? Because we we kind of teased it at the top, where at the very bottom, there are playable guys. Um, Zach Johnson's of the world, Jimmy Walker, Adam Long, Sebastian Munoz. Those are the names that we mentioned. Um, but there's like 50 other guys in this $6,000 range. Um, I have one or two that I have already made some long shot wagers on, but I'm going to let you go first here, Greg. Is there someone or someones in the $6,000 range that really catches your attention?
2: Upper end of the $6,000 range, uh, Graham McDowell catches my attention. Okay. Um, there's a, And I see Graham McDowell as a guy that could be the Jim Furyk of last year. He is 23rd in strokes gain approach to green this year. He's 131st strokes gain putting. If you know anything about Graham McDowell, you know that he has – one of the best putting strokes in the game and is, and has been for a long time, one of the better putters on the PGA tour, that number, that statistic is an anomaly to me. And he's having a, a pretty decent year. He, he won uh, he won the Saudi international. He had a great finish at the Sony. He, he is, I believe it was a Sony. He, he's, he's a guy who's an extremely talented player. He's a crafty player. And, TPC Sawgrass is a venue that makes a lot of sense to me. So I, I do believe that a uh, Graham McDowell is a guy who could be a sneaky underdog. Um, and I do have some guys a little bit lower down, a little deep, because there's so many guys in the $6,000 range. Yeah. There are some guys a little bit deeper that I have in mind, too. But I'll, I'll let you go next. I want to get your, your top guy in this range.
1: Okay. So I have two, uh, they are the same price. They're both 6,600. Uh, I think they will be popular plays, but I've also, uh, bet them. So, um, I'm pulling up the William Hill number right now, but on Max Homa and, yeah. uh, Joel Damon, uh, Homa is 125 to one Joel Damon's 80 to one. Um, I didn't I did not bet them outright, but I did bet them uh, top 10 and top 20 because I think that's a much more realistic scenario. Um, so I'll start with Homa, who we I, we talked about. We were here a week ago, I believe, and we were like, what's what is this going to be? Because his his run earlier in the year where he rattled off uh, four straight top 15s from. Farmers to Genesis was back to back to back to back weeks and I was like yeah. oh man he might just be on a heater greg like he might just be on a heater like i don't think so because now he takes a couple of weeks off and he comes back at the API and he shoots you know the uh, wasn't it the only round under par on the weekend his on uh, saturday
2: on his, saturday it yeah, was the only two- one on saturday
1: two under two under on Saturday. And actually he was four under through 17 before he gave two back, like uh, really tough conditions. I was super impressed by that. So I'm, I'm starting to say, okay, no Max Homa was not riding a four, a four week heater. Um, he is a solid professional golfer. That's going to pop off from week to week. And then kind of similar to Joel Damon. I mean, Joel Damon has been a, a top 10 machine this year. Um, you know, he had a 12th place at the Sony, he had a 14th at Pebble, and then he's gone fifth at Genesis uh, fifth at API, he finished 12th here last year. This one's kind of a no-brainer to me. I, I don't understand this price. I, these
2: two were two of the guys that I had on my list below. I'm glad you brought them up. I don't understand this pricing. I'm, I am beside myself with this. These guys are extremely consistent. I mean, back-to-back top fives for Joel Damon in big events. The Genesis and the API. Tied 14th at Pebble. The, the guy is really good. And he's eleventh tee to green. He's twenty second approach the green. I mean, you got to be licking your chops when you look at Joel Damon. Not just this week, but every week. Twenty fourth off the tee. Twenty second approach the green. Eleventh tee to green. One hundred and seventieth in putting. You you look at those uh, kind of those most recent three tournaments. Don't forget about the tied twelfth at Sony. The tied sixth at Mayakoba. And Max Holmes is the same. He's played great. They're cheaper than Vaughn Taylor. They're cheaper than, uh, than Denny McCarthy. W- Mackenzie Hughes? How are they cheaper than Mackenzie Hughes? W- w-
1: Please, Rick, give me a little insight. Where does this come from? Uh, I don't know. I, I think you just get a lot of guys that need to be priced and you just kind of throw them down here at the bottom because, uh, you know, I think that I think that the way the pricing comes out, you know, Draftkings doesn't have much to different differentiate the guys between like 7200 and 6,000. So they just kind of throw them down here, you know, separate them by a hundred bucks and and kind of wipe their hands and, and call it a day uh, is where I think this comes into it. Um, can I offer you defending champion, not defending champion, uh, won this in would have been 2017, uh, Siwoo Kim. I'm not you can, overly you can
2: say interested.
0: No. You can say no. I will
2: say no. I will say no. I'm not very interested. Thank you for the offer. Yep. Um, but no, I'm going to pass on this. I haven't seen a lot out of Siwoo Kim. This is a place where you know, Matt Every might have been a little more attractive. I was a uh, definite no on him, but he shoots 65 in the first round. You're kind of, okay, well, course history plays a big role in PGA Tour events. For for Matt Every last week to open with 65 uh, it, was, it was quite surprising to a lot of people. But it, it speaks to the notion of there are horses for courses. Yeah. Our, uh, Bay Hill bit back last week and, and um, really showed its teeth on Friday for, for Matt Every. The Players' Championship doesn't really have the horses-for-courses notion. I think there are some players like Jason Day who have great records here, but they're, part of that is just they're great players. And this place is very random in a lot of ways. So <laughs> yeah. with Siwoo Kim to be a past champion here, it and honestly, it does nothing for me. The guys that are past champions that I'm interested in are guys that are great players, that have great statistical back and that have uh, great makeups for the golf course. And I don't see it with Siwoo. If, if, he, if Siwoo goes out and wins, then I'm going to be happy to miss.
1: <laughs> for for sure. Um, okay, before we jump into some head-to-head bets, I want to kind of go back and, and go, just do like a quick, you know, quick picks recap of guys that we liked or didn't like. So I think towards the top, um, I'm more on Rory and JT. You are preferring John Rahm. Does that sound about right? Yeah, absolutely right. Okay. I think we both like, you know, DJ over Brooks Kepka. will be late on the Kepka train. I'm a little bit more warm on someone like a, a Patrick Cantlay. And then we both think, you know, Webb and Bryson with their ownership is going to be uh they're they're great plays and they're gonna be highly owned for a reason. Sound about that, right?
2: Absolutely right. And I'm I'm I can't lay you've sold me on Cantlay with the low own percentage. I'm I'm gonna get him into some of my lineups because I picked him in January.
1: So Love I it. mean, take advantage, right? Love it. You are a, a Hideki kind of guy, right? At $8,800, he kind of fits the type of golfer that you'd yep. be looking for. But we kind of decided this range was a little bit uncomfortable. Um, you know, if, if Sungjae can keep it going, great. Uh, we, we both think that Gary Woodland uh, being able to club down, you know, the kind of the weird Honda classic that he had might be a nice little bounce back spot for him.
2: Uh, absolutely. And I love, so Gary Woodland's my number one play in this range song JM is a question mark for me. Uh, and again, Justin Rose is out. Patrick Reed's the big question mark. This one to me. Yeah. Uh,
1: the $7,000 range, uh, gushing love for, for Colin Morikawa. Uh, you are warm on Henrik Stenson. I'm always looking at Benny On's T to green game and wondering if he can just find a putt for a week. Um, we mentioned that Scotty Scheffler can make a lot of birdies. He can make a lot of eagles. And Terrell Hatton uh, will probably take a pass on.
2: <laughs> yeah, and Kuchar's the guy. Kuchar's the big play for me in this, in this range. Perfect. So I'll throw him in there, too.
1: Perfect. And then the $6,000 range, there's kind of two two different tiers to it. Um, I, I like Homa. I like Damon. If you really wanted to go lower than that, we mentioned at the top, um, even like a Munoz or like, I like a Johnny Vegas. Um, Ooh, wh- yeah, he's on my list. Yeah. So Johnny Vegas for you as well. And then who else in this six K range? Did you, did you have a little, little love towards
2: McDowell and, McDowell. uh, Russell Henley.
1: That's right. I couldn't remember Ru- McDowell. I knew it was the first guy you mentioned. <clears throat> yeah.
2: Yep. Yeah. So, um, and, and Henley's interesting to me cause he's been playing pretty well lately. It's definitely a risky pick. It's a trick-or-treat kind of pick because you could see him. He could definitely miss the cut, but such a strong iron player. uh, I definitely have my eye on Henley as well.
1: All right, Greg. Well, that is the entire DraftKings salaries and player pool. And what we're actually going to do, you mentioned it, it's a big week. There's going to be a lot of content coming out this week. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to save the head to heads, the one and done some of that fun stuff that we like to do. And we're going to do it tomorrow in another episode. How about that? Something new in your uh, in your podcast feed, Greg?
2: yeah I, I love uh, I love spreading it out like this because I think there are some really intriguing matchups so we can take a little bit deeper of a dive into some of those. and one and done, I love talking one and done.
1: I like that I get to think about my one and done for one extra day before I have to commit to it on air. Sometimes Um, it's a good thing.
2: Sometimes (laughs) it's a bad thing. See how it plays out for you.
1: That's probably (laughs) true. Also, uh, there is so much going on this week. So we are going to be doing reaction pods after every round uh, of the Players' Championship, which should be absolutely awesome. We've done that in the past, and they are uh, fun for us, and I think they are very well received uh, the First Cut Pod is getting big on Twitter and Instagram. So make sure you go and follow that. It's at First Cut Pod on Twitter and the same name on Instagram as well. Your ratings and reviews are much appreciated and go a long way for us. Uh, I want to thank Greg Ducharme for joining me as he does every week. And we're going to do it again tomorrow. You can get Greg on Twitter at TheRealGFD. You can find me on Twitter at RickRungood. And we'll talk to you tomorrow.